Hello and welcome. I'm Debbie George Addis. Thank you so much for tuning into my show, America Can We Talk? Today we're going to talk about three stories. One, hidden reasons for Representative Amash's call for impeachment, you won't believe. Number two, Spygate, truth is emerging. And number three, election lessons for America from the land down under. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk. Thanks so much for tuning in. Well, you likely saw that Representative Amash, allegedly a Republican, he represents the area of Grand Rapids, Michigan. He's been in Congress, I think, 10 years. Like He was elected in the Tea Party thing in 2010 or so. In any case, he has come out saying that after having read the Mueller report, he believes, uh, he said in a series of tweets, he believes essentially President Trump committed acts that were are worthy of impeachment. So of course the mainstream media mob went crazy. Oh my gosh, you know, now things are starting to fall in line. Look at this, the first one to break ranks, you know, and just acting like he was gonna be the, the leader of the pack and he was gonna lead the Republicans to stand up on the um, against President Trump and essentially seek impeachment over the Mueller report. And this is why on this deep dive Monday, I want to hit on this story. The beginning, this little segment in the first five is just about Justin Amash and who he really is. And then we'll turn a little later in this deep dive Monday and talk about where we are in the whole Spygate um, episode here in America. But on Justice, um, Justin Amash, who is, he's a member of Congress, he, he has an R by his name, very much a libertarian candidate um, and libertarian thinker, but he has reasons he does not like Trump and has not liked Trump, Trump pretty much since before Trump was even elected. Number one, Justin Amash, being a big libertarian, uh, has attacked President Trump over his, um, some tweet President Trump put out about something about flag burning. This is, you know, a couple of years or, I don't know, during the campaign, I think, Trump saying, you know, essentially doesn't like flag burning, understands it's protected by the First Amendment, but doesn't like it. And Justin Amash, just uh, Representative Amash got all full of himself and just all on his high horse about this is just terrible. The First Amendment matters. I am an absolutist. First Amendment, you can say whatever you want. So kind of the point is, whatever way you think about whether people should be able to burn a flag and whether that should violate the First Amendment, he was looking for a way to belittle candidate Trump, looking for a way to attack him. Second thing on Justin Amash, he, as it turns out, uh, being from Michigan, uh, he's not actually, or his parents are not exactly Michigan uh, natives. His, uh, see which was, I think it's his dad, no, his Mom is a Syrian, she's from the country of Syria, she's a Syrian immigrant. The dad is a Palestinian refugee. So these are Middle Eastern refugees who now live in Michigan who are his parents. So his sympathy toward the Middle East and toward the Muslim side of the Middle East caused the Devin Nunes, one of the most just, you know, leaders of the Republican Party in the Congress, Devin Nunes referred to Amash as the Al-Qaeda's best 
friend in Congress. So President Trump very sideways with Justin Amash over the question of how America deals with the Islamic threat. And of course, President Trump's great friendliness and and friendship with Israel is another reason that Justin Amash is just weighed down on President Trump because obviously Amash's dad, Palestinian refugee, Amash is very sympathetic with the Palestinians. Amash also spoke out vehemently against President Trump when he issued at the very beginning of his presidency, President Trump issued executive orders relating to uh, how adequately we vet immigrants seeking visas wanting to come to America when they're coming from countries filled with Islamic terror. We talked about those you know, at that time and many times on this show that President Trump was essentially trying to say, you know, we need to be sure before we let people in here where they stand on terrorism. Is Islamic terror something they are sympathetic to? Or do they attend mosques or organizations? Um, or are they participants in social media in some way in advocacy for Islamic terrorism? President Trump had several executive orders, finally got one of the Supreme Court, which said, with the law always was, which of course President Trump had the right to do that. But the point today is Justin Amash very sideways with President Trump over Islam because of his dad being a Palestinian refugee and his mom being a Syrian native. But third, and the other just current reason why Justin Amash is just looking for a reason to pile on President Trump is Justin Amash, as I said, from Michigan. He is the guy who's talking, you know, coming out, trying to be a big leader. Yes, we have to impeach the president. Well, it turns out that Justin Amash's family owns a tool manufacturing business, and those tools are manufactured in China. We are now in the midst of the President Trump negotiations with China. We've been talking about last several shows, we've been talking about different aspects of this, but President Trump is for the first time standing up for American interests and really cutting back at the unfairness of our trade relationship with China, which has been ongoing and growing for decades. So, Justin Amash, just to be, tell you a little detail, the owner, he has an ownership stake in, the Mich- in Michigan Industrial Tools. He declared reports income of between $100,000 to $1 million. That was in his financial disclosure form in 2017. Point is, he makes his money by through a company his family owns, multi-generational owns, that manufactures their tools in China. Justin Amash's financial interests will be harmed by the potentially and likely through the trade deal that President Trump is working on with China. President Trump is not going to continue to permit China to take advantage of American companies, American interests, and these new trade deals that President Trump is working on are are going to be very sideways to and harmful to Amash's interests, his financial interests. And I raise all this, I went through those in this first five today to say this. The American left is running scared now that Attorney General Barr has turned his massive intellect and the power of the investigation of the federal government into what created the whole Russia-Trump collusion hoax. What Attorney General Barr is doing 
telling America what he's going to do. He's announcing what he's going to do. He is going to challenge inside. He's doing investigations inside the FBI. Understanding, we're going to play numerous clips in the next segment, but understand what what Representative Amash is trying to say that the uh, Mueller report just mandates it's just it, it cries out you gotta do impeachment because you know the Mueller report shows clearly things were done that justify impeachment this has nothing to do with reality this has nothing to do with truth it has nothing to do with what was in the Mueller report it has everything to do with Justin Amash's connections and sympathy to the Palestinians and and therefore not so friendly to Israel his as his own you know, colleague, Republican colleague in the Congress said he's the best friend of Al-Qaeda, that Al-Qaeda has in Congress and his financial interests. Justin Amash is not speaking about in, in a fair-minded, reasonable way. He is not drawing a conclusion based on the content of the Mueller report. He's drawing a conclusion based on his own self-interest. And that, my friends, is today's first five. I'm going to turn now today in our big, this is a deep dive Monday. I love doing deep dive Monday. And on this deep dive Monday, I want to do a catch up on where we are on the Mueller, the Spygate whole story. And we've had so many different names for this uh, amazing uh, episode in Washington, you know, Spygate, Muellergate, Pfizergate. But I want to turn to where we are because right now the Democrats are running scared. They finally have, I mean, you have to remember, all of this Russia-Trump collusion hoax cooked up inside the FBI, all of that happened at a time when most everyone in the country, in the world, thought that President Trump, that candidate Trump, would never become President Trump, that all that they were doing would be swept under the rug because Hillary Clinton would be president, she'd come on board, and man, she would be just, she'd have no interest in all at all in investigating and finding out what happened inside the FBI as they cooked up this completely fraudulent charge against President Trump. And I want to get to one other point in the beginning of this conversation today before we dive into the comments I'm going to share with you from Attorney General Barr, from Trey Gowdy, who is now out of Congress, but Trey Gowdy was at the time the House Oversight Committee chair. He has, has some great insights. And also um, from uh, one of the uh, congressmen from um, Indiana, Illinois, I'm going to share some other, other in, uh, insights from several of these people because I mainly want to get to the point Many people are starting to realize that Attorney General Barr is serious on digging in and figuring out what the what happened inside the FBI. Jim Jordan's a third congressman. But I want to make this one point in the beginning and really have you urge you to think about this as kind of your framework of looking at what the um, charges that the left would now claim might be justified against President Trump. Imagine if you, minding your own business, sitting at home and having done nothing wrong, became the subject of an FBI investigation. Imagine if it tore apart your life for two years. Imagine if you had to pay lawyers to defend you and you had your credibility, your character, your integrity questioned on the front page of newspapers around the country and on every website imaginable that is political in nature, on, by every pundit, every political commentator, was questioning your integrity and your honesty and all the time you'd done nothing wrong. And then imagine, so 
what you how you might respond. Most Americans, most human beings are not going to sit at home and say, well, golly gee willikers, I sure trust our system. I'm just going to be quiet. Now, you might be quiet because your lawyer says, you know, you're better off not commenting right now. But the human instinct to defend yourself against a false charge is a human instinct basically everyone has. You would have, I would have, everyone would have. So what President Trump was doing as he's responding to all these allegations of Russia-Trump collusion and trying to, and the, and the whole dossier, in fact, there was a great breakdown by Trey Gowdy about the dossier, I'll mention in a moment, but all of that coming out and you're sitting, Trump is sitting in the White House and he's real, he knows none of this happened. I didn't do any of these things. The idea that you might be inclined to defend yourself strongly, to challenge the integrity of the people making false accusations against you, to make strong statements about the need to demand truth, the need to, to call this hoax allegation against you, to call it a hoax, to call it fake news, to call it a witch hunt. Every American, human beings, you're inclined to do this. Everything that the Democrat media mob is now trying to claim might constitute the basis for impeachment against Trump is all based on Trump's efforts to defend himself, to lay out for the people, to expose for the American people, hey, this wasn't, uh, th this didn't happen, this is, this is a hoax, this is fake, I didn't do this. What President Trump is doing is what you would do or I would do. You would defend yourself. The term obstruction of justice is being attached by the left-wing media mob and by the Democrats who will do anything in the world to remove President Trump from office. The term obstruction of justice is being attached to conduct, words, decisions that President Trump made all part of his effort to say effort to defend himself, to speak up, to respond, to say, this did not happen, this is crazy. This is, what, this is where we are right now in this Spygate mission. We're at the point where President Trump's efforts since before he was even sworn in, since the time he was a candidate, his efforts to say, this is crazy, I didn't do this, none of this happened. And the Mueller report, my friends, has made clear none of that allegation happened. All that the people in Congress and even Justin Amash and others, all they're talking about is could they possibly find an impeachable offense out of President Trump's desire to defend himself and put the label obstruction of justice on it. Now, let's turn, I have a few clips from my extremely wonderful producer, Matt, who I believe has all these clips available. Um, I wanna start with the one, we had um, Justin Amash um, was making noises about um, uh, the whole Mueller report and you know how, how he'd read it and that really, that proved everything to him, doggone it. But I wanna start instead with Attorney General Barr. And to be really clear, Attorney General Barr um, came into this effort um, after there was a only an acting AG and you know Jeff Sessions was gone and and Barr was you know brought in to be the Attorney General and the Mueller reports completed Barr put out his four-page summary essentially saying Mueller you know found nothing impeachable nothing he found there was no Russian collusion and there was no basis for obstruction charges uh, this is what Barr communicated and so now the whole Mueller report is out and uh, with 
tiny bits of redactions. People have read it. There's nothing in there, but still the left has nothing to say, nothing to talk about politically, unless they can continue their witch hunt march to somehow remove Trump based on this Mueller report about the non-existent Trump-Russia collusion. But Attorney General Barr, Attorney General Barr, here he is talking. There is actually uh, two clips. It's first uh, Attorney General Barr, a little clip of what he had to say in a great interview over the weekend. And then what Jim Jordan, who's a fabulous Republican congressman, had to say as a follow-up. But here is William Barr. The fact of the matter is Bob Mueller did not look at the government's activities. He was not going back and looking at the counterintelligence program. And uh, we have a number of uh, investigations underway that touch upon it, the main one being the Office of Inspector General that's looking at the FISA warrants. But uh, as far as I'm aware, no one has really looked across uh, the whole waterfront. The short answer is we don't know. What I do know is Bill Barr is not just serious. I think he's very serious. He said in his interview with Bill Himmer that someone may have put their thumb on the scale. He's concerned about that. Did that actually happen? When you take that statement and couple it with what he said four weeks ago in front of the Senate, when he said that he, he felt there was a failure of leadership at the upper echelon of the FBI, that was certainly the case. He said spying did occur. There's a basis for his concern about the spying that took place. And then probably fourth and most importantly, he used two terms that should scare every American. He talked about unauthorized surveillance and potential political surveillance. So I think he is starting from the right premise, and he is very serious about finding out what exactly took place when they launched this whole Trump-Russia investigation in the first place. Hearing, uh, first of all, that last gentleman is Jim Jordan, fabulous congressman, um, just a, and he's been one who has been standing up for President Trump and trying to get after the FBI and Department of Justice to find out how did this get started? That he's been one of the ones just digging, subpoenaing, trying to get the uh, Justice Department to cooperate, the FBI to cooperate with Congress's investigation, which they did not. The FBI stalled, hid things, just just would not cooperate with the investigation. The FBI recognizing that what they did, they did not want the American people to understand what they did, this whole collusion thing they cooked up. So that was Jim Jordan. Then I want to turn again to William Barr. Again, he was interviewed, uh, an extensive interview over the weekend, basically saying, you know, I'm going to dig in. I'm going to figure out what happened here. And this is what I'm telling you, my friends, the Democrat and the, especially the leadership, the people who know what really happened, which is most of the American left, along with their allies in the mainstream media, they realize they are have a serious problem on their hands if this guy digs in and figures out all the facts. Here's Attorney General Barr. Well, the first step is find out exactly what happened. Uh, and uh, we're trying to get our arms around that, getting all the relevant information from the various agencies uh, and uh, starting to talk to some of the people that have information. You know, the thing that's interesting about this is that this was handled at a very senior level of these departments. It wasn't handled in the ordinary way that investigations or counterintelligence activities are conducted. It was sort of an ad hoc small group, and most of these people are no longer with the FBI or the CIA or the other agencies involved. There are two things here. One, no one's really looked at it. Uh, I think there's a misconception out there that we know a lot about what happened. Uh, the fact of the matter is Bob Mueller did not look at the government's activities. He was looking at the, whether or not the Trump campaign had uh, conspired with the Russians. But he was not going back and looking at the counterintelligence program. Uh, 
you know, I've, I've been trying to get answers to questions, and I found that a lot of the answers have been inadequate. And I, I've also found that uh, some of the explanations I've gotten don't hang together. So in, in a sense, I have more questions today than I did when I first started. Because I think people have to find out what the government was doing during that period. If we're, if we're worried about foreign influence, for the very same reason, we should be worried about whether government officials abuse their power and put their thumb on the scale. And, and so I'm not saying that happened, uh, but I'm saying that we have to look at that. Can I'm telling you, folks, the American left, the people in Congress who are somewhat aware, the people inside the FBI, whether they're still there or they've left, the higher echelon who cooked up this hoax, cooked up this collusion, and it appears uh, overwhelmingly clear that committed crimes along the way doing that, including, as, as the allusion was made to earlier, the FISA warrant applications require the agents to sign under penalty of perjury. Comey signed some of those FISA warrant applications. So they've lied to the court on this Russian dossier, which Trey Gowdy had a great description, a great point about this Russian dossier. He was saying, you know, when we use the word dossier, it sounds like, wow, that's a pretty official word. That sounds like a formal thing, like a, a doctor, you know, like, like something, an official document, a court filing. The dossier is a fancy name for a bunch of stuff, junk, that this Christopher Steele dug up, stories unproven, unprovable, some proven false, just a concoction of garbage created by Christopher Steele, but put together in a fancy thing called the dossier and then passed around Washington, ultimately used as the basis for a FISA warrant application and the issuance by the FISA court of warrants permitting the ongoing spying by the federal government on the Trump campaign. So this is, this is how serious it is and where we are. And you heard Attorney General Barr made a comment a moment ago. He was in our little clip there. He was saying, you know, that investigation is ongoing for sure. What exactly was in the warrant applications? Because what he's really saying is, who lied? Who signed saying, oh yeah, this is, because if you don't listen to our show regularly, I'll tell you that we've had on the show former FBI agents and people who can tell you what has to be done to get any FISA warrant um, application submitted to get a warrant issued by the court um, to allow spying. You have to verify your sources. You're often asked to go back and double check your sources. And the FISA court is often asking, hey, you know, uh, I know you said this, but did you ask this? I mean, this was a bunch of garbage put together by the FBI. This dossier was a just a it's like it's like collecting a bunch of gossip, slapping it together into some document and using it to get warrants. So this is, these are so penalty perjury for one thing. I'm sure there are other crimes related to seeking those uh, FISA court warrants. That's just one piece of what Attorney General Barr is looking into. The American left is getting very, very, very nervous because this scandal, this effort was the effort to unseat the duly elected president of the United States. It was a coup from inside the FBI. And before President Trump won the election, it was intended to be the, the um, corruption of the FBI and their power as the national and, you know, intelligence agency, a law enforcement agency, corrupting their use, corrupting their existence for the end of getting a, of destroying a political opponent, 
the political opponent of the then incumbent uh, president, President Obama. This is at the biggest scandal in American history. And you're going to start hearing the left. In fact, I'm going to play, I'm going to tell you in a moment something that Eric Holder is saying. But I'm getting at the point that the, the left is getting concerned. They're getting worried. Attorney General Barr, you see him very plain spoken, very deliberate, very relentless. He's not a he's not a flippant guy, and he's not a you know smooth talking. He's serious. He's substantive. He's been FBI director before. He knows the law, and he understands that you simply. I mean, he's, he's I'm sorry. He's been Attorney General before. He understands the law. And he is, you, I mean, I'm telling you, my read of him, he already knows what happened. I and mean, he's got to fill in the details of his investigation. He knows what the, inside of the FBI and the DOJ, what they did to candidate Trump and President Trump. And he's digging it out, and the left is getting very, very nervous. And I want to turn to something else. There's a little bit of a detail, uh, but it ties back to something a couple weeks ago, or last week, I think, we talked about in the show, just one character in this massive conspiracy to get Trump. One character involved was George Papadopoulos. And we went through his story in this, I think, uh, maybe last Wednesday. Anyway, if you're on my Facebook or YouTube channel, you can scroll down and find the segment about George Papadopoulos. But the point is, is George Papadopoulos was point, the, the, a, a guy, really a minor player in the Trump campaign, but his statements at a couple of different meetings were what allegedly led the FBI to believe there was a serious problem related to whether the Trump campaign had or could have had or was working in some way with the Russians to get Hillary Clinton's emails, the DNC's emails. So this is the guy lured in, you know, originally duped by the FBI. He's a guy, finally, I mean, he, he kind of realized what was happening, and he's one that gave him the, the suitcase full of money and the $10,000, and he left it with his lawyer in Greece. He didn't even fly home with it because he realized this is a setup in some way. Well, the whole George Papadopoulos thing was the beginning of the FBI, their claim that that's when they knew they had to launch an investigation. What has become obvious is the FBI concocted the whole George Papadopoulos scenario, meaning they did not get information innocently about Papadopoulos and that causing them to realize, oh, we better start an investigation. They set up Papadopoulos. They set up the whole thing so Papadopoulos would say things or appear to say things that they could report back to Washington and say, oh, oh my gosh, we got a big problem here. You know, this Clinton, this um, uh, Trump ally has uh, Papadopoulos guys making noises about the Hillary Clinton emails. You know, we think maybe we got to do an investigation. So Trey Gowdy is on to this. Trey Gowdy, former, um, he was the chair of the House um, Oversight and Investigations Committee in an interview this weekend. He was talking about how the um, this this attempted entrapment of George Papadopoulos by the FBI and possibly even the CIA's involvement. My words, not his. He didn't say CIA in this interview, but CIA was behind it all, it, it appears. But the point is, Trey Gowdy, former prosecutor, former chairman of the House Oversight Committee, is making the point he has seen many of the documents that have not yet been released publicly. He has seen documents of the connection between the uh, FBI and Papadopoulos. I'm going to play his little segment here. Here's uh, Trey Gowdy. We'll come back and talk about him. There are a lot of serious questions that need to be asked. When did the Russia probe begin? When did it become hopelessly commingled with the Trump campaign? What was the factual predicate? Where are the transcripts, if any, exist between 
the informants and the telephone calls to George Papadopoulos? Why the defensive briefing so inadequate of President Trump? Why didn't you do a follow-up defensive briefing? That doesn't even get to the whole FISA uh, story in the fall. That's just that's just the spring and summer of 2016. Yeah, I mean, if the Bureau is going to send an informant in, the informant's going to be wired. And if the Bureau is monitoring telephone calls, there's going to be a transcript of that. Um, and some of us have been fortunate enough to know whether or not those transcripts exist, but they haven't been made public. And I think one in particular is going, it has the potential to actually persuade people. Very little on this Russia probe, I'm afraid, is going to persuade people who hate Trump or who love Trump. But there is some information in these transcripts that I think has the potential to be a game changer if it's ever made public. He goes on from this interview, um, in this interview, he goes on and talks about how he's read all the transcripts that relate to Papadopoulos and his uh, communications with the FBI. And he's more or less implying what you just heard. And I couldn't play the whole long interview, but he's more or less implying that when the public, when Congress, all the Congress and the public finally has access to the transcripts of the conversation between the FBI and Papadopoulos, it's going to become obvious that Papadopoulos exculpatory evidence and they're meaning evidence that therefore means Papadopoulos should never been prosecuted, um, and also that the whole Papadopoulos thing was a setup by the FBI to give them the justification to begin the investigation of President Trump and to therefore just the ongoing, relentless Russia-Trump collusion hoax thing uh, going on and on and on. The other piece about this is that uh, I say that the left is getting nervous and anxious. They're about being driven out of their minds. They cannot believe that all of this is apparently going to be unearthed. So there was a, um, a, uh, a um, I'm going to refer back to Eric Holder. He was the, as you know, the Attorney General under President Obama. So last month when Barr testified at the Senate hearing and Barr said he was pressed and, you know, do you, I don't know the Senator House, anyway, do you really believe was there spying on President Trump? Um, during the campaign. And, you know, Barr was trying to be circumspect. He wasn't trying to be accusatory, but he said, well, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, yes, I think there was. The question was, was there a sufficient predicate? Was there, you know, a reason that, I mean, the, the um, government can't just start spying on people. They have to have probable cause, some predicate, some reason to start doing that. And so that's what he's saying. We're trying to figure out what, what was that reason. So, after, right after that testimony by Attorney General Barr, former Attorney General Eric Holder took to Twitter to mock Attorney General Barr and say essentially, uh, in fact, he said, it's called, this is Attorney, this is F. Eric Holder, Obama's Attorney General, attacking um, Attorney General Barr, saying uh, about Barr's claim that, that the Trump campaign was spied on by the FBI. Uh, and here's this comment by Eric Holder was, uh, it's really snarky. It's called investigating, not spying. And he went on to just mock Barr for calling it spying. And, you know, you just can't, um, you know, just mocking the idea that that the um, attorney general would dare accuse the FBI of spying. He's acting. He's talking like you can't really accuse the FBI of spying. I mean, you can't mean that. And, and you know, it's, it's called investigating. Eric Holder and again, the Democrat leadership in Washington, the cabal inside the FBI, all of those people are getting nervous because Attorney General Barr is unflapped. 
by their mockery. Unflapped by their criticism, he's just going to keep looking. And so, again, just a couple days ago, or over the weekend, Eric Holder had some just new, you know, super snarky attack out, really slamming Attorney General Barr, really trying to say, you know, this guy is out of line, he's, out, he's crazy, and, you know, I'm telling you, it's because they're getting nervous. My friends, you got to believe, they're getting nervous. They cannot believe that this whole thing they cooked up, First, they still can't believe Hillary lost, which would have then, you know, made all of their efforts um, hidden forever because, you know, Hillary's in, they're not going to investigate anything, but then Trump wins, and then Trump survives this, you know, two-year-plus assault on him, on his campaign, finally gets a Mueller report, which, you know, involved, we talked about many times, it was like 19 lawyers all of the uh, left-leaning Obama-supporting, Hillary Clinton-supporting lawyers, you know, the worst, the nastiest of, of lawyers imaginable um, put on Mueller's team, the, the people who are vindictive-type lawyer investigators just looking to get something to get somebody. You know, they had um, hundreds of depositions and uh, thousands of documents and hours and hours and hours of investigation, and they finally had to say, okay, there's nothing there. Now, I think there was talk earlier that the Mueller investigation would continue into the fall of this year, but I think it's a very strategic decision. They finally had to say, you know what, the American public is going to have to get used to the idea, going to have to be told there was actually nothing to this. And so strategically, I think they decided, tell them earlier, tell them now, let them, let's get over it. We'll get over all the, you know, the, the blowback and the pushback that, you know, hey, because this has been really the argument of the left since the moment Trump won is it couldn't have been legitimate. He must have cheated. It had to be the Russians. So now they're, they, they failed in their effort to take him down through this accusation about Russia-Trump collusion. And now they're trying to move forward. Well, but maybe this obstruction thing, which means maybe he should be charged for defending himself. Maybe he should be charged because he dared to say, hey, wait a minute, this is a witch hunt. This is a hoax. And so now they finally got the tables are start, have been turned. Attorney General Barr is looking into it. And I think a lot of people are very, very, very nervous, as they well should be. I'll close out this section by saying it's really important to recognize that you are going to hear more and more of the Eric Holder style comment, mockery, tweets, questions, just belligerent dismissal and condescending dismissal of the effort of Attorney General Barr to get to the bottom of this. They're going to try to, in, in fact, there have already been accusations from some leftists about how, you know, Barr is just acting as, in fact, it was a, as a Democrat member of Congress. You know, Attorney General Barr is just acting as a defender of Trump. He's just, he, everything he's doing is just to defend Trump. This isn't fair. This isn't right. Blah, 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 blah. They are shaking in their boots, and they should be. And it is really important whether you are a a Democrat, Republican, a conservative, a liberal, whatever your political leanings are, it's important if we want to have a country founded on the rule of law, if we actually want to have a country that we can rely on the rule of law, which while never perfect is the best system on earth, always try to improve it, but best system on earth, if we want that system to continue, we have to have a full vindication, a full investigation, a full exposure, transparency to everything that happened inside the FBI, a cleaning out of the upper echelons of the FBI, because otherwise this kind of conduct will go un 
unrebuked, unchastened, they'll move on, and that this will be something that becomes a norm of behavior, an okay thing to do inside the FBI, and we cannot have that in this precious country. Last story for today, I want to turn to and talk about there was an election in Australia. And um, the reason I want to talk about is is several things uh, about this election. You know, number one is that um, I, in this I, in this show, I talk a lot, my show is dedicated to America. It's always about preserving this country. And I, you know, I do talk about political parties, but I'm really always trying to talk about policies and ideas and, and just values that, that undergird freedom values that undergird what we have in this precious, unique experiment in human liberty called America. And I use the expression, the American left, but actually leftism or radical leftism, just leftism is a, it's is very different from being kind of a liberal Democrat. Leftism is an international phenomenon. It is happening all over the world, it exists all over the world. It's happening all over the world. The push of the leftists in this world is more cohesive and more similar, even in very different countries, similar to what's happening in other countries. What leftists do in Australia, they do in America. What leftists do in America, they are doing in the European Union. That's why we had George Farmer in the show last week, and he was the one talking about the upcoming EU elections, uh, European Union, how many countries who are going to be representing, uh, electing representatives to the EU are electing people who want to stand against the leftism of the EU, the, the big government power, the crushing of the national identity of each individual country. Countries in Europe are recognizing they have to stand up for themselves and against leftism against the leftism that is that is the EU and so and it's a force all over the world. Okay, so in Australia they had their elections and the uh, polls shockingly were wrong, but the polls in um, Australia um, were wrong and here's what really happened and why it matters to America's elections. So Prime Minister Scott Morrison was re-elected for a uh, three-year term. He's been there a little less than nine months I think or something, He's but anyway he, he is the Prime Minister he was reelected, even though Paul said he wasn't going to win. And he's all he's close in his party's leadership, his coalition. They have all these parties, they also have coalitions, but the coalition is close to having a majority in their parliament, like their Congress. They're getting closer to having a majority of this coalition that is more, and with this coalition and what these people are all about, they're very similar to the Trump and the phenomenon in America. And by that I mean this. One of the ideas that this uh, coalition party, and they call it the Liberal National Coalition, but they don't mean liberal like you know leftism. They mean they mean liberal like open-minded thinking type, you know, reasonable th people. So, Liberal National Coalition in Australia, they are only a few seats short. They need 76 to have a majority in the parliament. I think they have 73 or something now, and they're still counting votes. Um, but. Um, this guy ran on some platforms that are exactly the issues facing us in America. Number one, Australians first. I wonder where he got that. Australians first. The idea it's okay for your country 
to stand up for your people. Like President Trump says, American first, America first. Like the EU candidates, like we had George Farmer on and others are saying they want to represent their country in the EU parliament, but they want to stand up for their country, their country's identity. It's not racist, it's not about race, it's not about skin color, it is about the culture of their countries. They want to represent the culture of their countries, like America wants the America first idea, the culture of freedom, free markets, independence, strong national defense, all the things that we are in America. Second thing that happened in the Australian election was that there was a there's a massive, just as there is in America, a massive left-wing environmental socialist cabal. And in America, environmentalism is all wrapped up in socialism. The alleged mission of cleaning the environment and environmental improvement is tied up in socialism in Australia, just like in America, as you see with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, you know, outspoken socialist, Sam and Bernie Sanders, they're both huge alleged environmentalists. Environmentalism is the current vehicle, is the vehicle of today to bring socialism, to force socialism on people through the vehicle of convincing them they're voting really to protect the environment. Well, in Australia, you had the environmentalists pushing, and they had, you had this party that won, this uh, Scott Morrison and his party, talking about your pocketbook, talking about what would happen to jobs in the, in the um, energy industry if you let the environmental radicals have their way. And turns out, pocketbook issues, paycheck issues, what's in your wallet, the money you can bring home to, to take care of your family, the security of your job was more important to the Australian people than the radical left environmentalist agenda. The people saw through it. The people saw it was not something they wanted to have. Uh, so the save the planet versus save your job, save your job wins. Well, a couple other lessons are from Australia, but I'm going to put them off till next week. But it was a great example of the idea that really in the human heart, people want. They want their country to mean something. They want their identity of their country to mean something. They are actually smarter than the left-wing extremists think they are. They do not buy into radical environmentalism. And sometimes I think you can look at the environmental movement and people feel like, oh, everyone's behind it and everyone, and I'm the only one saying, it seems like the, like, you know, the Green New Deal is pretty extreme. We really have to do that. The American people are just as smart or even smarter than the Australians. They will see through this if we have brave politicians willing to speak up and show the farce, the, the just extreme nature of the environmental movement in the world today. And when people speak up against socialism and in behavior of freedom in, in favor of freedom and free markets, the people will respond. And I think it's, we're going to see that in the EU elections in just, I think it's May 26th, next week. May 26th, they're coming right up. And so we're going to have those elections too. Same kind of, um, of arguments uh, there as you're seeing in Australia and in America. And if you go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, on homepage, under shows, go down under list of links, you'll see a lot of articles laying out more detail of the stories that we talked about today. And now, for the end of the show, which I love to do every week, I want to talk about why the stories we talked about today matter to you. To start with, Justin Amash, the uh, alleged Republican from Grand Rapids, Michigan, already getting primaried, but he... Um, he supported Trump. Um, he opposed Trump's travel ban and his refugee ban from the inception. 
He opposes Trump's tariffs on China because they're bad for his multi-generation family business, which is selling tools made in and imported from China. And by the way, on that one, he got caught in a campaign. His company used to say, made in America. And they had to go, well, okay, never mind. They're not really made in America, they're made in China. So he got caught in that kind of um, yeah, dishonesty. Okay, next on Amash, why this really matters to you? He's all bothered by this obstruction of justice, just stunningly obtuse. Trump was framed. He was entrapped by the CIA, FBI, DOJ. He rightfully objected to this monstrous injustice, and his his objection to being lied about is what's being called obstruction. Amash appears he's very much, he's an opportunist, a hypocrite politician, hiding his motives behind high-minded words that are nonsense. Ignore him. He is not leading the charge of the Republicans away from Trump. He is an outlier and a, a, a selfishly motivated representative. Next story, Spygate, truth will out. I'm telling you folks, the truth is going to come out. Why it matters to you. This is the worst scandal in American political history by far. The Democrats are increasingly frantic and hysterical. They can't admit it. They can't explain away the truth. And we can't let them try. Okay, next slide we have the, on Spygate, also why it matters, more finger pointing, more um, blame shifting, anything to avoid admitting the out and out lies and corruption of the Obama administration officials. Just a... Um, this is what's happening. The Democrats are just flabbergasted. They don't know what to do. We have to demand accountability if we're going to have rule of law. Attorney General Barr knows this. Americans must demand it. Last slide, surprise election in Australia. Not really a surprise. A surprise, I guess, like President Trump's victory was a surprise. Like his victory was a surprise. The truth is people like the messages of we love our country. America first, Australia first. We love our country. We love our national identity. People will respond to that. The globalists, we're all the same. All cultures are the same. All, you know, there is nothing special about America, nothing special about Australia. People don't like that, that leftist message that is just thrown at us day after day after day. This political polling has become a joke. Don't be influenced. Climate alarm, alarmism lost. Common sense won. American voters should trust their instincts. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who said 12 years, we only have 12 years to live. She's now trying to backpedal and say, no, I didn't really mean that. Of course she did. But anyway, it's hysterical nonsense driven by the leftist control agenda. We must reject it. Responsible environmental care is possible without Green New Deal silliness. My friends, I love talking with you every day, Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m. Central Time, right here. My show is America Can We Talk. You can find us on Facebook Live on America Can We Talk, at our YouTube channel. That's where you're watching. Love your comments. Love your emails. You can email me at americacanwetalk at gmail.com. And I'm here every day to talk with you about the extraordinary blessing we have of being in the role of defending, speaking up for, and protecting this precious, extraordinary country, United States of America. Talk to you tomorrow. Can you America, can we talk truth about America? Can you